in the, at the same moment that you're thinking about these supplements are going to fix me or heal me or cure me, subconsciously you are thinking or you've accepted that there's something that needs to be healed or fixed or cured. Welcome to the HGW Podcast. We're your hosts, Zoe Sakutis and Erica Huss, founders of Blueprint Cleanse, the iconic juice brand that sparked a multi-billion dollar category. We bootstrapped, scaled, and sold, and now we're moving on. We put down the juicer and picked up the mic to start a conversation. We'll bring you behind-the-scenes information on leading brands and emerging ideas in this rapidly evolving world of wellness. Every Wednesday, we chat with experts or entrepreneurs who help us cut through the noise and bring you information you can actually use. No shaming, no guilt, just the cold-pressed truth about real ways you can feel better, mentally, physically, and emotionally. And bonus, we even share our often humiliating personal experiences, all in the name of your wellness journey. Clinical studies have shown that writing five-star reviews improves mood and circulation. So if you like what you hear, give us some love and share with a friend. Often irreverent and occasionally intuitive, consider us your navigators on the bumpy highway to well. Okay then, so we're back. We are back to talk about more trauma, or as Jordan and Lydia's uh, college professor used to pronounce it, trauma. Trauma. Is that the correct pronunciation? I mean, I think it's an accepted pronunciation, but trauma is more... Unnecessary work for you to do. Traumatic. Trauma. So stop being so traumatic. Okay. (laughs) What I want to hear about what you learned from what was in your tummy. Well, in my tummy. Well, we're still, it's interesting because right now it's still kind of like, we're still in real time here with your, with your learnings. Sort of. So we just, yes, we had a bit of, we had some learnings from Erica where she talked about her story, her perforated ulcer. (laughs) And the learnings from that, which is fascinating. And very helpful four years later. (laughs) Very helpful. And I think for me, the question is a little bit more, or my my learnings around the subject of just like, are you focusing on the right things, wellness, health-wise? What is, you know, what's affecting you? How's it affecting you? And how are you different from your neighbor? Because it's certainly not one size fits all. I think... For me, I'll just preface this by saying that I am a, and I can admit this a little bit. (laughs) I know where you're going. I am a bit of a hypochondriac. (laughs) It takes a big woman to admit it. I'm (laughs) 5'9". But I am, I can admit that. And I had a, (laughs) there was a long time where I wasn't, I don't know why. I'm just like a denier. There's nothing wrong with admitting it. No, not at all. Right. But most people who are are not necessarily able to see that they are. They actually think they're sick. I just, it gets to the point where, you know, like when you're trying to tell someone your dream and they're Mm -hmm. just like, oh God, like I don't want to hear your dream. Uh Like, again. (laughs) Or I'm like, I have this tick in my elbow. Mm -hmm. I have this thing. And it was just the same. It was the same expression. Right. But Jordan at one point was like, you know what I want you to do? I want you to get a journal (laughs) (laughs) instead of telling everyone about your ailments, when you write down your sickness, whatever thing you're experiencing in your journal. And then read it back to yourself. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then read it back to yourself so you can hear how ridiculous you are. <laughs> but yes, so I do tend to be hyper aware of my, you know, my body, I think, just functionally how it's working or is it like optimal? <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because I guess, you know, we spend all this time saying you have to listen to your body and you're the only one who knows exactly what's going on. But I think that the opposite extreme of that or the extreme end of that is you listen to everything. You don't have to answer every call, I guess is the point. It's true, right. <laughs> but you kind of have to know which calls are real and which is just like a robocall. True. <laughs> True. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes right. it's like very, it's hard because no one's in your body, right? So nobody really knows what feels normal or what feels good or how it should feel. But anyway, I, let's see, I was going to frame this up a different way, but I guess I'll just start with my similar explosion in my stomach. <laughs> a baby came out. A baby came out. Instead of <laughs> All I got stomach was acid. Ulcer. All I got was, all I got was this hospital blanket and some <laughs> stomach acid. Anyway, I had uh, a second baby two years ago. And, well, I love her dearly. She's a fabulous young lady. She broke me. She broke me in half. And I had like insane diastasis recti, which we literally, it should just be its own episode at this point because it's so common. And so many ladies have it. Uh, It's definitely, it's like this two, so I'll just describe it quickly. It's this two long, Uh, six-pack muscles that run vertically on your stomach. And when you're pregnant, they separate so that your stomach can accommodate for the pregnancy, for the actual space. And then when the baby comes out, they're supposed to come back together and your stomach is enclosed again and supported and everything's functioning properly. But mine did not come back together. They came back together after my first baby, but not the second one. Ironically, I... I'm not, nor have I ever been pregnant, nor will I ever be pregnant. But I also had diastasis when this happened because that was where they had to cut. So I had to right. go through the same, the same uh, healing exercises. And yeah. I mean, I couldn't do core work for like eight months or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. So it's a very particular thing, the way that you work your core if you have diastasis recti. And because crunches, I think crunches, people think that oftentimes it's really good to flatten your stomach and get a six pack. It's the worst thing that yes. you could do. It makes it 10 times worse. Yes. So there are very specific exercises. It's like a lot of Pilates type exercises to strengthen your core properly and heal your diastasis. Because it's also, it's from the internal muscles. It's not the exterior superficial that is really what needs the help. Right? Yeah, so you want to do your intra-abdominal mu- muscles too, which are the really deep ones. The ones that wrap all the way around from your back to your front like a corset. So that's really what you have to get down into. So anyway, it's also very common for men too, I'm just going to say, because just think about all the men out there who have these like that huge gut. guts. Yeah, that beer and, belly. Uh, the biggest symptom when you have diastasis recti, or the most common, I should say, is that you have lower back pain. Right. And because your core can't, you know, when you have a strong core, you have your back is supported. But if you don't have a strong core, you have back issues usually. So anyway, a lot of, there are a lot of men walking around with back problems and they have no idea that perhaps it's related to a little bit of separation in their... Uh, abdominal yeah. wall. But anyway, so that was two years ago and a couple months. And I have been on a mission since then to try and heal it and bring it back together. And I've done every single thing. Every modality has been unturned. Every type of physical therapy, visceral manipulation, you know. But during all those, when you were going through all of those different 
modalities right. was specifically to address the muscular. Okay, right. Yeah. So, so the main symptom for me, so the, the, the biggest problem for me was the fact that I wasn't actually having back pain, which is a typical response. I was having a really difficult time breathing, like taking a full deep breath in. And there's nothing more frustrating and annoying than like being reminded of an ailment with every breath you yeah. take. This point, you know, just all consuming. Like my 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 brain, I feel like like cognitively, I'm not functioning properly. You're not oxygenating it. My brain's not getting enough oxygen. I'm constantly yawning. So people think I'm bored with what they're talking about. I mean, it's really like it manifests in so many different ways. It's really frustrating. And it's really hard to explain. And so I, I was just like, this is such a light switch. So after I had this kid, I was like, I can't really breathe properly. So I thought I had a herniated diaphragm. You know, it's where like your stomach, when you're pregnant, your organs get all smushed up. So I thought maybe my stomach was herniating, bisecting my diaphragm. And you thought that based on research that you had done or based on somebody telling you? It's a common thing for Mm -hmm. pregnant women because your organs are like really, it takes them a while to go back into place. A lot of times people will have a stuck diaphragm. They don't realize it. And it's a major, major muscle. I mean, it controls so much. And if it's not working properly, it could be affecting you in so many different Mm -hmm. ways. It affects your pelvic floor. It affects your pelvic floor affects so many other things. So it really is like a little bit of a domino effect once one of these pieces is misaligned or disturbed. But so for me, it was a big breathing issue. And I I tried pretty much everything. You know, I got, I, I got, I went to a pulmonologist. I got a scan. They're like, is it a blood clot in your lungs? Nothing there. I got like an ultrasound. Like I don't have a herniated diaphragm, I thought it was related to reflux, which a common symptom of reflux is a shortness, you know, having shortness of breath. Although I was having, you know, a bit of a reflux thing happening too, which I think was also related to the separation. Yeah. Well, because your organs are all out of alignment. Yeah. Well, your stomach. So if you think about these ab wall, like when it's open, it's like your organs are just coming through. There's nothing just crazy to think about, but right. they're exposed. You could just dip down there in your fingers and you could feel some crazy shit. Yeah. So I thought I had an endoscopy. There was nothing wrong with my GI. It was like really minor, you know. And I had, yeah, I went to like a neuromuscular physical therapist to try and like reconnect some, like reconnect my brain to my muscles basically. Because <laughs> apparently they're not communicating. They've just like stopped talking to each other. What else did I do? Craniosacral. Like I did everything. You did everything. I I saw, yeah, a pelvic floor therapist for a while. Of course, I did Pilates every week, you know, and like really focused one-on-one Pilates. Anyway, so it was was tens of thousands of dollars at this point spent on this exploration of what, and of course- And no relief. And everyone around me is like, you're a fucking hypochondriac. And I'm like, "Mm, believe me. If if I could get rid of this one, it's so specific. Anyway, so I, and then I also see a therapist and my therapist was like, Zoe, it's anxiety. Right. Like, you know, I don't think I have it too tough right now. Like I'm pretty, things are pretty good. I don't think I have anxiety. Still to this day, she thinks it's anxiety, but and maybe I do. Maybe I'm also just like an anxiety denier. I mean, you can have a low grade anxiety that's just in a, a product of your life because, you know, we have normal stresses, but having an actual 
physiological right. reaction that to me suggests a much more of an acute anxious situation, which is not what you were experiencing. Right. And so, uh, you know, my response to her was just, I have anxiety because I can't fucking breathe. Right. And it's making me very anxious. Like if you can't breathe, you're going to have some anxiety. So, and then I went to like, even my gynecologist, she's like, oh, it's all fine. She's like, you know what it is? And her very knowing stare, she's sort of very maternal kind of older lady figure. And she's an amazing GYN. She's like, it's anxiety. (laughs) She 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 looked in your Jenny and she said, "Oh, you're she's anxious. anxious. She's stressed." <laughs> <laughs> and so I I was like, "Dude, okay." I just it was like a light switch right after I had this I had this pregnancy. Right? So I think it's mechanical. I don't think it's anxiety. She's like, "You know what else is really stressful? Having two kids. It's anxiety." She's like, "I see it all the time." Okay, I'm gonna get dressed and go now. Mm-hmm. And then oh, and then also my gastroenterologist after he did the endoscopy was like. I hate to tell you this, but it's anxiety. Oh my God. So I had three doctors, three different doctors tell me it was anxiety from all, from very right, different all fields. different disciplines. Well, look, maybe you do have anxiety, but that's not what's, that's not what's disrupting your breath. So anyway, so, so five weeks ago, I had surgery to repair that muscle and they stitched it all up. And then they, I also helped like an umbilical hernia, whatever, train wreck. <laughs> Fix that too. And now I'm a bit out five weeks or so post-op, but still too soon to tell if there's been any real progress in that department. But I... (laughs) Or to tell if it's like actually affected my breathing. Sure. Because everything is still very swollen and very tight and uncomfortable. Um, But I decided yesterday to go do some, a new type of therapy. Mm -hmm. Leave no stone unturned, people. Psychedelics? (laughs) I tripped my face off in the woods. No, I I howled at the moon. No, I went to do. Uh, I went and had my first energy work uh, mm. through Reiki. So I went mm. and had my first Reiki session, which I was what surprised did you think? that I had yet to do that. Yeah, because I've done ever. I've done acupuncture forever yeah. and ever and ever. Reiki is um, fascinating. Reiki is fascinating. So. So you've never done Reiki, right? I did it. The only time I ever did it was when I was in the hospital and they had a woman who was their, you know, sort of wellness person. She would come around to the rooms, you know, on the floor that I was on, I guess I was on the GI floor and people that were recovering from very, you know, traumatic and invasive surgeries. And so she, she did, I did it twice with her. I would just sit in the chair and she kind of did this whole, like, you know, she put her hands Mm -hmm. kind of hovering very near. Yeah, they don't describe it. I loved it. I loved it. So did you feel any different? Hard to say. I mean, I certainly felt like her presence and just the, the that type of attention and having literally having somebody's energy that close was very comforting, right? Yeah, it's a very... And I was, in, you know, I was in the hospital. I was really not happy to be there and I was still physically very uncomfortable. So any level of that type of like kind of soothing... Just human one-on-one yes, warmth and interaction very helpful. is comforting. I have no idea in a vacuum if it did would she? So did she say anything to you after you were done? Mm-mm. Did she give you any feedback? No. Okay. So... <laughs> oh, now I really am fascinated. <laughs> so this was super surprising. So I went and did Reiki yesterday. I gave her my whole story. I was like, yo, I haven't been able to breathe for two years. This is like the worst. And I'm out of answers and I've tried everything. And I thought, why not some energy work? see what happens. Like maybe it is truly like something is emotionally lodged in my physical body. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. So here I am 
she's like, okay. She kept super highly recommended. She's had all these amazing reviews. She has her own wellness practice in East Village. Anyway, uh, she also does acupuncture. So I, I lie down on the table and I'll just tell you the story because it's the first time I did it and it was not what I expected. Mm-hmm. Lie down on the table for an hour, right? So the idea, what I thought I was going to happen is you lie down on the table in sort of like a dim room. There's some hands floating above you, kind of like going up and down your body, you know, holding in different areas. You turn over and maybe they do your back. Mm-hmm. That's it. And then you leave. Thanks. Hope right. that did something. Hope that was worth the three hundred dollars I just spent. So I so I sat down or I was laying down on the table. She did all those things, right? Like the normal, your hands kind of hovering over the body and like holding in different areas. And you know, she's got her eyes closed. I'm half asleep at this point. I'm just so chill. There's calm music playing, the room's dark. That sounds amazing. Very relaxing. I literally was falling asleep. And then She's like, okay. And then she sits down. She does that for like an hour. And she sits down in the chair next to me. And she's like, okay. So the lights are still dark. She's like, so here's what I saw. And I'm like, oh, what, what do you what mean? What did you see? <laughs> what did you see? I didn't know there was going to be like a seeing part right. to the, of this session. So she was like, first of all, and she's really, it's almost like she's like recalling her memory. She's like, so I saw you were basically covered with soot. <laughs> And just covered with like burnt like ash and soot from a fire. And just just sort of dusting all of that away. And you were, you, you had a sort of like a few boulders on your chest and your abdomen and your legs and your arms could move and they were kind of flailing, but you were being held down by this boulder on your wow. chest. And then she's saying this all so matter-of-factly. Like she's literally... She, like she, I mean, I'm freaked out. I have no face control. So I'm just looking at her like, what the, what are you talking about? And she's going through this vision of all of these things. It's like a movie she just watched. She's like, and so then I entered, so then I went into your past life and I saw, um, so you had the same kids in your past life in the same order, but the, the second one, for the second birth, you died in childbirth. What? And Wait, time out. How yeah. much information did she have about she had you a, prior? She to, knew I had two kids. She knew. Did she know that the root cause of or your theory on the breathing issue was that was had to do with diastasis and all of that, and that you had the surgery? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. This is not like she's not like a fortune teller. No, right? No, no, no. no. She had. She basically had what I just explained yeah. here, right? So I gave her like the full context. Okay. And so she. So I was like, okay, well, she could totally be making this shit up. But then I'm like, how do you make this shit up? So wait, so then she was, so then I went into your past life and it was almost like she was like digging through these layers as she was like how she was talking about it. Mm-hmm. She had two kids, you died in childbirth the second time, which, you know, could possibly explain a lot of the anxiety being triggered with your second pregnancy. And that's all she's like, and that's, you know, that's part of this the sort of memory, right? Of your past lives, this sort of like idea of cellular memory. And it's like in your body somehow. And then certain events will trigger past life events, past life like trauma, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So I'm like, okay. And I'm just listening. Then I went to a deeper, so then I went to your, your life before that one. And you had also two kids, but different kids. And you were on a ship with your spouse and you, you got in an argument with your spouse's mistress. 
on the deck and she pushed you off the ship. What? And you got tangled in the in the in a net below and you drowned. And again, she's saying this so matter-of-factly. She's like, so those were the two lives that I was able to see. And there's definitely a lot of, you know, breath and trauma sort of like around that area of your body. So, and then she said, oh, and then, and then she finished by saying she saw, she's like, and then I, I got this image of your, your abdomen and there were all these burnt wires, like burnt electrical wires. She's like, they were just tangled up and knotted and like a mess and burnt. She's like, so I just trying to clear that away. And she's kind of like, you know, using her hands as the sort of like mm-hmm. clawing away gesture and, um, you know, replacing it with these sort of like very organized gold wires that were very clean going from your head all the way down to your pubic bone. And like, she's like, so I got to work on that a little bit. She's like, yeah, so that's what I saw. And I was just like, huh? Like, wow. I did not know. I was so, I didn't didn't know there was going to be like a past life portion of the Ricky session. Right. I was just, this is insane. And then I'm like, wait a minute. How did you see all that shit? <laughs> it's like, she's like, I just see it like a movie. So she, she also, she's clearly also like an intuitive. I guess. I had no wow. idea. Man. Well, so how does it feel? So I was, um, she, and she was like, so do you, so as I was leaving the lobby, she's like, do you feel any different? And I was like, I can like, you know, I can definitely take like a full breath in right now, but I'm, you know, I wonder how I'll feel in like a few hours. And she was like, okay, you know, let me know. She wasn't, I don't know, it was just very casual <laughs> walking out. But so that was yesterday, the end of day yesterday. I don't really know how to think about it. It's been like an interesting, I've been like, was it just uh, total BS? Was was there any real energy exchanged or released or, you know, and she was definitely like identifying certain chakras that were, as she, as she explained it, like a pilot light was out mm-hmm. and she was trying to reignite some, and they were all solar plexus area, you know, in my throat, whatever. It's like all this, all of these places where you have breath going through. But anyway, so I don't know. She did her thing. I have no idea if it worked. I feel like I already made an appointment with another Reiki uh, person. Just for comparison Because I want to do a little bit of compare yeah. and contrast because I have no idea. You know, I have no reference point. So I, I, I don't know. And I'm really curious to see if I feel something with one person and not right. another person because it's all just energy. So maybe it has a lot to do with your your actual exchange with people. I don't know. Yeah. See, I think I just got the free drive-by Reiki session. <laughs> I think you may have gotten the uh, Reiki covered by insurance session. I think that's exactly what <laughs> so, happened. <laughs> um, this is definitely a little bit more yeah. mystical. Yeah, a little bit more uh, spiritual, I guess. But anyway, so I, I guess I'm just sharing that story because it kind of... It was a total shock yeah. to me. And there is no, there is no really like real evidence around Reiki. There is just anecdotal evidence, right. but there is a tremendous <laughs> amount of an- anecdotal evidence. Right. And I feel like to some degree, we talk about placebo being so powerful a lot. And right. even if it's nothing, you know, that anecdotal evidence suggests that, you know, First of all, I don't believe that it's nothing because I feel like even just having the presence of someone's energy close to you can shift your energy in a good way or a bad way. Right. So if you really think about somebody's energy being super concentrated and super focused, then yeah, maybe that, you know, the three lives back and the tangled in the 
pirate ship is, you know, that's her sort of creative, <laughs> you know, expression of uh, wanting to maybe give, give you more of a visual or context. But I, I believe that there is that there is certainly merit to even, you know, even if there isn't any published science in the same way that there's anecdotal information, it's valuable. The placebo effect is very powerful. Right. So, yeah, so I I definitely have been having this question too of, am I focusing on the right things? Right. Am I focusing on all the wrong things? Am I just obsessing over these, this, I want this to be a very tangible reason mm-hmm. like as to why I can't breathe. I want there to be like something I can point to, something very mechanical. And I've been like fixated on finding that or seeing that actual, you know, disturbance wherever it is in my body. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has, you know, that's given to me, it's like affecting me in so many other ways. It's affecting my health in like this whole anxiety way, I think, because I'm... Well, it causes you to spend a lot of time thinking about right. these things that... Right. And uh, potentially obsessing. And I had the same, it's sort of similar to, I, I had the same thought very recently around therapy. Like I mm-hmm. go to therapy whatever I've been going for like years, sort of like a maintenance well-being. I think talk therapy is very healthy for everyone, even if you have no issues. It's just like a good thing to sort of have that space to talk about whatever you want to talk about. But that doing that along with all of these other things that I'm exploring, I just felt like way too much. I'm like, this is becoming a full-time job for me and I can't spend all of my time thinking about healing something because in the back of my brain, I'm thinking about what is wrong with me. Right. So it's like, if I'm constantly thinking about what is wrong with me, I'm going to create a problem. That's right. I'm going to manifest an actual issue. Totally agree. And so I was thinking about that just even in terms of therapy. So in the context of like physically finding these, you know, physicians or exploring all these different modalities to fix a physical pain, I'm like, doing a regular talk therapy practice where I go and talk about more emotional stuff. And I was like, is this just bringing up, like unnecessarily bringing shit up for me? Right. That I am now thinking about that I wouldn't otherwise be thinking about. And I would just be blissfully like going about my day and enjoying what's in front of me in that moment. So I'm having like really mixed feelings about that. Mm -hmm. And it's, I'm turning a corner on all of it. I think I need to just like, close this chapter and do nothing. Yeah. I feel like the healthiest thing I could do for myself right now is to cancel all these appointments, stop pursuing them, put it out of my head and just be still. Mm -hmm. And I think that this stillness would perhaps be like the most powerful thing I could do for myself. Yeah, I think that's very valid. Yeah. And And the worst that happens is that you take a couple of weeks of stillness and you say, no, you know what? I need to add this back. Yeah. It's like an elimination diet. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I, but, and it also, you know, and that sort of point extends to like supplements and how I think about that whole uh, experience, right? Like that whole habit, my, my daily regimen is pretty intense. Like yeah. I take a lot of supplements every day. I take probiotics, I take vitamin D, K2, I take you know, B12, because I don't eat the meat. I take curcumin. I take bromelain for like inflammation because I'm post-op, but I usually take it anyway. I take vitamin C packets, which are amazing. Everyone should take those. Uh, <laughs> Maybe. 
Like everything else leave leave behind, but those vitamin C packets are like- The gel? The gel, live on. Yeah. That's some real shit. I'm I'm certainly not paying that out. Yeah. So the point is, I take a lot of, I take a lot of supplements. And I wonder just how healthy is it to constantly on a daily basis, think about these things? Because in the, at the same moment that you're thinking about, you know, these supplements are going to fix me or heal me or cure me, subconsciously you are thinking or you've accepted that there's something that needs to be healed That's or fixed right. or cured. So you're carrying yourself like so a sick you person. you have this duality happening, right? But you're only acknowledging the front side of it, which is like the healthy piece. That proactive, I'm going to be healthy by doing all these things. Right. But it's like, what's going on in the back of your brain that you're not really registering, right? Consciously. I think it's very real. And I think that's like a lot of this, I don't know, it's like lending itself to this state of like anxiety, not just for me, but I think a lot of people are sort of all ruffled up about like living their best, yeah. <laughs> living their best lives and like making doing sure they through. check all the boxes. Right. And yeah. there's a lot of boxes to be checked. And if anyone has checked their boxes, <laughs> it's me. I mean, whatever, I still have, I could go on. There are a lot of boxes unchecked, but I guess my sort of turning point or my epiphany as of late has been I I need to I need to quiet that part for a moment mm-hmm. and I need to just stop focusing on what the things that I can't control mm-hmm. because honestly uh, you know I'm taking all these supplements for these different ailments to to help heal things that I know about myself even genetically mm-hmm. so like I know that my parents you know, that my mom and my grandmother both have arthritis. And so I'm like, I'm going to take all these anti-inflammatories and stay ahead of it and blah, blah, blah. Little things like that. I might develop arthritis. I definitely will. It's a given. I can already like see it happening. But you know what? I'm probably going to die from something else before that (laughs) happens. So this is like what I'm going in circles with. And I had, you know, a sort of weird transition to say that my mom did recently die and she died of very sudden, quick, painless death. But she she had the same she had the same habit that I do, which is you open her drawer in her kitchen and it's like a two foot deep drawer full of supplements. I yeah. mean it's insane. And she was on it and I feel bad because I probably did that to her. Like <laughs> I, I put her on that path. But but she had like notebooks and she had just like, she was taking everything you could possibly imagine for her heart and like a lot of issues that had to do with getting a little bit older. She's very young. She was 66 when she died and super healthy, yeah. exercised every day. Sometimes she would exercise twice a day. Super happy emotionally, yeah. physically. She was great diet, didn't drink, did not smoke, nothing. And... um you would think that, you know, when you opened her drawer in the kitchen that you were just like dealing with someone with severe OCD. I mean, it was really like she had notebooks yeah. full of all the different supplements. She had notes that she had taken about them like next to it. It's very organized. And, you know, and then what happens? She just like drops out of a stroke right. <laughs> at the age of 66. So I'm letting that be a lesson to me to say, don't obsess over these things because they're not helping you in the immediate term. And I think that they're stopping you from living your happiest in the moment life. Right. Well, it definitely has a way of making you feel um, fettered, I guess, is restrained and and sort of everything has to be in, in controlled 
um, approaches and everything's monitored and tracked and organized. And, and, and yeah, I, I think it can become overwhelming. And I think you can very easily spin off into kind of like an obsessive behavior around stuff like that. I mean, b- taking things preventatively or even to address some minor issues is one thing. But when it becomes a sense of like panic around, oh, I didn't take this, I didn't do this, I didn't do this, I must be, you know, you, you kind of start to spiral very easily. And yeah, I think it could be, it could, it could take over very quickly. Yeah. Um, I mean, she, she did have a pre. She had a history. So I have, yeah. So that's my other, I mean, this is like the worst thing for hypochondriac. I will never do 23 and me. I can't. It's just (laughs) not happening. I don't need to already know exactly how I'm going to die. I'm going to die of a stroke. I, yeah, so my mom had an aneurysm, a brain aneurysm, like uh, 30 years when I was like 11. And she had massive brain surgery. She was in the hospital for the entire summer. She had, I mean, brain surgery is very different now. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it just depends on where your actual aneurysm is. Um, but she had to have, I mean, it was gnarly. She was like huge scar across her skull. But she dodged a bullet there. She only knew she had it because it was like pressing on her optic nerve. So she was losing sight. Mm -hmm. Whereas most people, they have an aneurysm and it just bursts and like Um, you're done. Yeah. If it's in your brain at least. Uh, Anyway, but because they can happen all over your body. But um, so she dodged a bullet. She should have had scans regularly after that. Well, at that time, there's been obviously a ton of advancement, but like at that time, they didn't think it was hereditary. Now we know it's hereditary. Um, but she never had, she never monitored, monitored it going forward. So she never had another scan, mm-hmm. which I think was her way of saying, <laughs> I'm gonna live my life. I'm gonna live my life. And you yeah. know what? I will be damned if I have that brain surgery again. Because that was yeah. so, I mean, it was just beyond. Like I just... To witness it was even just like, oh my God. So I don't blame her. I probably wouldn't want to know if that was the alternative, which is totally a lie. I would want to know, Um, (laughs) which is why I'm getting scammed like every two years. (laughs) But my dad also has brain aneurysms, which is like another like double, which is why I have to be scanned all the time. So we got brain issues. Um, But yeah, so she she did have a history and... uh, I don't know. I mean, back to your story, like maybe had she been a little bit more proactive and less fearful from that surgery and said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get the scan because maybe the alternative is not having massive brain surgery if they find another aneurysm. Like maybe the alternative is just like, we're going to wait and see, we're going to watch it and see. Or maybe it's just like, you have to take baby aspirin every day. Or maybe you go on blood thitters. Right. I mean, it could have been that simple. Right. But she, I think she, she made was a so traumatized. Yeah. yeah. And she didn't know. I think she just wanted to be, she just totally turned a blind eye. Sure. She wanted to put it behind her and she did. <laughs> yeah. But um, so anyway, the next thing I'll obsess about is my brain scans. <laughs> I'll post one. <laughs> <laughs> They're pretty cool looking. Uh, but I think the takeaway here, yeah. as we've said before, is you know you can focus on it so much that it becomes debilitating in its own way and your focus on what's happening with you and your health and making sure you're making all the right choices can you know, it can cripple you in the same way that anything that might actually really be wrong with you. So 
it's all about the balance and I'm not trying to be trite about it, but it, it, there's really value to, yes, you have to listen to yourself and you have to kind of, you have to check in and, and try to weigh out like you're doing. I mean, you're not doing it because you're saying you're sitting and meditating every day and this, this realization is coming to you. You're sitting and you're thinking about it. And yes, you had this experience yesterday that kind of woke you up a little bit to say, huh, I could continue going down this path and learn about another seven lives and get more data points on why I do or don't feel like maybe my breathing is blah, 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 blah. You can really just spin up or you can say what you just said and sit there and say, maybe I just need a little time out on all of these explorations. And I mean, even to take a page from your mom's book, got to live your life. You have to live your life. That's right. And um, that just reminded me this sort of, uh, even when I was trying to get pregnant and like the yeah. second I couldn't get pregnant, I mean, literally five months of trying and not getting pregnant, which is totally normal. I panicked and like immediately went to, you know, an endocrinologist to check on my hormones and everything else. And uh, <laughs> and then I I was, you know, seeing him for like six, uh, I guess it was like six months. I don't know. It was, felt like a while. But at the end of it, they literally kicked me out of the office. They were like, Zoe, here's our prescription for you. Go take a break go on vacation, don't come in and see us for a while. And I did. And then I was pregnant like two weeks later. So It's like Oprah says, don't hold on to anything too tightly. Just let it go and it will come to you. Let that uterus go, girl. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so my new strategy is to do nothing. I think it's a good strategy. It's usually the most effective in, you know, hospitals. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh God, that was so long-winded, but geez, it does feel good to sort of think through it out loud. (laughs) Yeah, I think it, I think it does. I mean, that's, you even said it earlier, talk therapy is super valuable, even when you're not talking about a problem. So maybe we should just call this show talk therapy. Maybe we should just call it Frasier. Dear Diary. Forget the guests. <laughs> Let's just call it Dear Diary. Uh, uh. Next time with wine. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing your story. I know there's a lot of layers to it and it's... it's oh, so many layers. It, so many layers. It helps to just process it out loud. Yeah. And hopefully there's information here that's or perspective or something that's useful for people. And I, I like- hope so. Thanks for bearing with me on that story. It sure is uh, a windy one that <laughs> continues. But yes, I hope there are some... I don't know, maybe a little nugget or two that you can... Maybe some nuggets. Could be useful to you. All right, guys. Till next time. Ciao. Thanks for listening to HTW. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and make sure and rate us on iTunes. You can even give us five whole stars if you think we deserve it. If you have ideas for guests or topics, you can call our 1-800 number. Yes, we have a 1-800 number. At 800-674-1839 or holler at us on social at HTW Podcast. You can also head to our website at htwpodcast.com for more episode info and check out our daily blend blog to see what we're drinking.